welcome to this week's episode of Terminal Velocity Podcast. I'm Scott. I'm Andrew. And this week we're going to be covering, uh, on top of our all points bulletin that we'll get to shortly, we're going to be covering uh, in Tapping the Speed Force, Cosmic Ghost Rider. Hyper Timing with Lock and Key Volume 1. And then Running the Cosmic Treadmill with Batman Hush. This was a big recommendation from Andrew to read. I know this was a big important book for him, so we'll get to that a little bit later. It's important. So let's kick it off with our All Points Bulletin. Alrighty. What do we have here? It wasn't a great week for news, but uh, a couple things stood out. Um, Yeah, the Dark Phoenix, the trailer has finally dropped. No longer X-Men. It's just Dark Phoenix with an X logo. Um, Probably to distance themselves from the Disney merger, but uh, yeah. um, Did Did you watch it? Sort of like I, I don't even think I put the volume on too much. It was kind of like yeah, I, it looks I, like Professor X is the villain again. I guess that's what some of the articles are, are alluding to. Um, the big other question is who's in the grave, but the the main lead is that basically Charles is of course the villain of all of the X Men uh, stories. I guess up to this point, which yeah. is <laughs> I mean you can't say it's wrong. You know, Magneto's <laughs> kind of there again. He's just you know hanging around. He's got his brotherhood, which yeah. will be interesting to see come to life on the screen. Uh, um, I, I did I, try watching the leaked, I guess, Russian trailer version, which had no sound. <laughs> and then I gave up realizing that, no, this will actually come out in a day or two. Yeah. I can't say I gave a shit. Yeah, it, uh, it it's a thing, as I like to say. Um, <laughs> it, it just, there was nothing that wowed me. It actually looks more of the same... Uh, uh, as the last stand like it doesn't that's what i was worried about it kind of feels the same as that and uh considering it's by the same people as it's literally their second attempt uh, at this story uh, with a not i'm thinking even a smaller budget so i'm not even sure how this is going to work yeah i'm not really sure why cracking the whole dark phoenix thing is so hard to get on screen or is it oh i know maybe it's because they're trying to rush the dark phoenix and not just setting up the phoenix aspect yeah well i think they just you know dark phoenix is a is a pretty big buzzword for x-men uh fans at least as far as fox is concerned so they they're just kind of trying to jump on this to sell sell it to you Like, like hey we got a real comic movie guys dark phoenix yeah, I can't say that. I'm, this is definitely one I will rent. Yeah, I'm not even sure. Point. If it's on Netflix, maybe, or <laughs> Disney streaming. Uh, like, you can't... Like, the, you have to have Phoenix first before you have Dark Phoenix. And, like, they just don't get that. And this is very much the last, uh, I think, X-Men, like, regular um, series run of the Fox films. Now that Disney is... Uh, purchase fox i would fully expect so i'd expect this to be that last piece and then it'll get folded in well the dark phoenix the title kind of indicates they're just kind of shit this one out and hoping to make a couple bucks off it Mm -hmm. and it is pushed until next year which i thought was interesting it was supposed to come out this year but they pushed it out for another they needed uh new sophie turner scenes filmed and she was busy with game of thrones apparently allegedly allegedly Yes, we're not in the know. <laughs> we don't work in the industry, but we will speculate with the best of them. <laughs> okay. Uh, one thing that I, I think is interesting when we're getting into talking about um, TV shows tying into comics and what they're doing is the naming of Elseworlds on the CW crossover now that's going to be going through 
I guess Flash, Arrow, and Supergirl. Yeah. Um, like part of me gets excited about that because it's Elseworlds. Okay, yeah. this is going to be a, a crazy story that's going right out there into the multiverse, going to touch on a whole bunch of different points, potentially meaning nothing in the rest of the series. Yeah, like I, I, I mean, I think they're calling it Elseworlds because there will be characters from parallel worlds in it. Um, I'm not overly sold that it's going to be uh, anything grand, grandiose or anything, but uh, it is going to be a backdoor pilot for Batwoman. Mm-hmm. It's going to... It's going to expand upon Superman, which I hope leads to a series. Mm-hmm. And uh, who knows what else? Yeah, because apparently one of the characters, again, full speculation based on the articles we're reading, is the Monitor. Uh, so they're going to. So maybe so. this is the crisis that was talked about in season one of The Flash? Yeah, that's what they're saying, that this might be the death of barry allen hey let's let's see him shrivel up into nothing and vanish into the speed force (laughs) see what happens but then it comes down to so where's the wally west that takes over for him he's dead (laughs) he doesn't exist it's in a different story (laughs) and uh you know uh sad bit of news uh actually maybe you should take this one i'm not sure how to say his name uh so we heard that this week there was a passing of norm brayfogle uh, passed away at the age of 58. Nothing is coming out to say what exactly was the cause of death. Um, it's a fairly young age for somebody to be passing. Yeah. So I would assume that this was either, you know, very um, personal a, or a very, very personal thing, or, or this is an, an unfortunate battle with, you yeah. know, one of the, one of the big diseases, but this is just one of many of the, you know, historic artists that we've lost this year. And I know looking through some of his art, it was there was a lot of iconic very much so and like i even like having recently cataloged my my back catalog uh there's a lot of his stuff in there and it's uh it's very iconic batman stuff especially um so you know rest in peace uh it's unfortunate Mm -hmm. rest in peace if you've got any of the covers definitely maybe pull them out and hang them on your walls if you're going to be in any rotations it would probably be a a pretty cool thing to to do this that's a good idea uh, and better news. Uh, let's see here. Um, There's a, another story that, and this one I think is only interesting because they're making it interesting, mm-hmm. and that is with the She-Hulk. Yeah, I was about to <laughs> pluck that one. Uh, so I'll let, I'll let you take it away. Well, apparently just revealed that uh, She-Hulk, or sorry, Hulk as she is now known, is the strongest there is. Um, so I don't know. I guess that leaves the immortal Hulk out of everything. I don't know how that plays into everything, but all their, you know, crossing over with the Celestials and everything has led to a, a big power boost for, for Jennifer Walters there. Yeah, so it, it comes with a bit of a caveat of now she's the most powerful. <laughs> now she's the strongest there is because of this, uh, everything that's going on in the current but Avengers title. did they fight, Scott? No, but her and Thor made out. Oh, yeah. So that's the thing now. Interesting. <laughs> and we're all we're all the. Isn't that a little bit soon, Thor? Really? <laughs> yeah, it is. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> so what else is coming through is continued coverage and leaks from the Joker movie set. He's a sad clown, which Scott. Keeps making me more and more depressed about this movie. I will say I did finally watch the subway footage where he's walking out and he's got the good mannerisms and all that but then I'm drawn to the diamonds on his eyes and I get you know he's maybe a proto joker he's not quite joker yet 
it's Alice Worlds, whatever. It still sucks. <laughs> like, yeah. It just, I just, it just misses the mark. Like it doesn't make sense. So yeah. Anyways, that's like I said, that's a thing. That's a thing. And this one, I think we're going to touch on this when we talk about our pick of the weeks potentially. Um, but there was some upheaval that went on in the Heroes in Crisis book. Oh, boy. Now I know I came out saying I'm not reading this. This is not something I'm interested in. And God damn it, I did pick it up. I did read it. <laughs> and I'm going to continue to read it to see exactly what the fuck happened. <laughs> I did get suckered in. It is actually, it's a really, really well laid out issue. It really is. Well, the Heroes in Crisis has led to maybe podcasters in crisis because <laughs> I, I wanted to start a whole new segment called What the Fuck. <laughs> For these kind of moments where... You know what happens in that book happens, and uh, I'm not going to touch on that just yet because uh, it is spoiler territory, and we'll try and give you a little warm up before you get there. But uh, yeah, um, yeah, let's talk about that in a bit. Okay, fair enough. We'll we'll do that there. Um, just trying to see if there's any other news stories that I wanted to kind of cross off here. There's that Cassandra Nova story. I kind of glanced at it. Yeah, so Cassandra Nova has been um, working her way through... You're referring to the one through the X-Books, right? Yeah. She's kind of been the main foil for the X-Men Red. She's like, yeah, she's, thing, like, right? she's like evil girl Xavier, kind of. His, yeah. So his she sort was, of fake twin thing that happened during Morrison. Yeah, it was actually one of the things I really, really liked about Morrison's run. Uh, on the X-Men, there was some of it was good and some of it was bad. It wasn't as prolific as his JLA stuff. But the Cassandra Nova really was menacing in that book. And it came across really, really well. Um, hey, just so, the idea of a female Professor X is creepy enough. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, she has none of, none of the altruistic tendencies whatsoever that Xavier has. So she has no problem just walking straight into somebody's mind and completely screwing with them. Um, so it's actually a, a good balance for Jean Grey versus her, giving, given their powers, their power sets anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't say I give a shit. I'm just more interested in what's happening in Extermination and what that's actually going to play out to mean for the rest of the books going forward. Fingers are crossed. Current, current storylines. They've wrapped up X-Men Blue now so that we can focus on what's happening in Extermination. So Black and Red were, are so far, anyways, continuing. Okay. No, that's what that's what I'm asking. Oh, the, yeah. right now the stories are continuing. Yeah. So They'll there's be no word. Up soon. So those books are wrapping up as well. Right, and I think there's actually been a delay on extermination. Um, I heard, yeah, a three week delay on, so on that. That's not going to wrap up. It'll. I think it sounds like the timing of that is wrapping up a little bit <laughs> like Secret Wars, where <laughs> the end of that will come out after other books have potentially already launched and spoiled it. And either spoiled it or le- left you still with the, well, what the hell is happening here? What is this new existence that we've got going on? So, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that one plays out. I'm, as I've talked about in previous weeks, I'm really on board for a relaunch in the X-Men titles. And I'm happy that they're getting uh, some new love. Well, Uncanny X-Men is, is definitely something I'm excited about. So I, I'm hoping that it's what we ex- hope for it. Yeah. I want to say awesome. expect. I, I kind of expect it to be a, re- a kind of a... Back to basics book, but mm-hmm. we'll see. Yeah. Okay. 
that's yeah, I, I think i think that pretty much wraps the news um nothing really stands out to me no it was a fairly light news week a lot of the stories were just kind of oh, there was a lot more of just you know starting stories and there wasn't much to to finish on them it was just kind of pieces for the sake of having pieces um so let's move into having the spoon for i think that's a good idea with the cosmic ghost rider yes i'm very curious to see so this was my pick of the week a few weeks ago uh with number three just because of how crazy the character is um now i know a lot of people are probably not on board with this actual character with this reimagining of and initially i I totally wasn't uh on board with it the idea sounded ridiculous Mm -hmm. and it is but it's ridiculous in an awesome way (laughs) I finally read the issues, and uh, wow. <laughs> this character, this book, has no right existing, and yet it's it's incredible. I uh, I don't know what to say. It's just so off-the-wall bonkers. It, uh, I've really I, I've, I've enjoyed this kind of like Elseworlds kind of take on the Marvel Universe, and then where Frank kind of ends up in this predicament, and there's just something cool about looking at a ghost rider that's a punisher with a, a baby thanos chained to his, his chest as he's trying not to be violent in front of him so yeah. he can raise him and uh this one issue where he's like where he's fighting cable who shows up with like a team saying you're gonna fuck up the future number three like it doesn't work Back frank but he's like ah, i don't care i'm determined to raise him right and yeah. This like baby Thanos is watching him just like murder everyone in the Marvel universe again, uh, and you know Cable's j- like side was it side step one or something like that. He body slide, body slide, and he's getting older and older and recruiting new heroes, and he just keeps wasting them. <laughs> I mean, the Watcher is there, and he's like, "Look, it's gonna be something." And yeah. Sky <laughs> Sky Baby, as yeah. Sky baby ba- Thanos refers to him. <laughs> Sky Baby is there to watch and. Frank realizes that, okay, this is when something important happens. So this means something like I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. <laughs> Sky Baby has to correct him. Like, what makes you think you raising a child <laughs> would end good? <laughs> would end nicely it for just, anyone? I, I love the scene where he's in the bar and the, the bartender's like, hey, no babies in here. And he's like, no, this baby's okay. He's like, <laughs> I'm old enough for the two of us. <laughs> He's like, seriously, no babies in here. And he's like, it doesn't matter. You're all going to die anyways. And they just don't get what he's saying because yeah. they don't know he's a herald. Yeah. And uh, and then suddenly like, they finally decide to ask him, what, like, what's the deal? And he's like, he points up to the sky. He's like that. And it's like Galactus is there to devour the world. And yeah, it's just, it's crazy. It's a crazy book. I, I It is highly recommended for me only because of how crazy it is. So I'm really happy you enjoyed it. Well, in, in a, like a comic world right now where it's not a whole lot of fun per se like the stories are very serious very mm-hmm. melodramatic very it's it's refreshing to get a book where you can just kind of read and, and laugh like it's it, it, I, I legitimately no laugh yeah it, it'll literally come and go like a fart in the wind but yeah. it will <laughs> ultimately it was it's a fun ride yes I'm... Uh, i never wanted a punisher ghost rider mashup i love both characters i thought this was such a bizarre concept um Thank God they thought of it because it, it's been really, it's been, I'm literally laughing at pa- at panels as I'm, as I'm reading it. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a hell of a lot of fun and I'm not, I'm a fan of the concept of those two characters on their own. Yeah. I've never thoroughly enjoyed their books necessarily. So I'm glad the mashup has actually, is actually working now, and I'm glad other people 
Who's the artist on this book? I can't recall off the top of my head. I'll have to look that up. Give me a second. But uh, it just continues like on. Like it's just that he's like. Just to give you a quick premise, he it it takes place after the Thanos cosmic Thanos storyline. I forget what it was called. Thanos wins. Thanos wins. Uh, Dylan Burnett is the artist. See, I am I think I'm a new fan of Dylan Burnett. I, I really enjoyed his pencil or his his style with the book and just his expressions and. It works. It yeah, really works. it really does. Um, I can't get enough of this. It's just so ridiculous. And now the next issue is going to be adult Thanos, who's now a time traveler but a Punisher yeah. as well. So it's it's four issues. It's, it'll be four issues as of next week. So it's currently only three issues in. Highly recommend anybody go out and find it at your local shop. Yeah, um, it's definitely worth it. Um, it's it's a zanier version. Than what you actually get in the Thanos wins um, stuff in the Thanos books. I think it was Thanos well, thirteen. Yeah, like not to be cliche, but it's like a balls to the wall kind of story. It just doesn't really let go. Like he he wakes up in Valhalla and he's like restless because Frank Castle can't just be happy, right? It's, mm-hmm. He's he, he he's in his element when he's killing because he's a psychopath. Well, and he knows he hasn't he hasn't earned rest. No, and that's true. So in his you know his, his twisted sense of morality, um, he like pretty much gets a, like does everything he can to pretty much be kicked out of heaven, right? So yeah. <laughs> somehow Odin just re- then means to restore him to his cosmic spirit of vengeance form. Yeah, <laughs> back in the past for some reason. Yeah, so he's all over the place. There's no straight continuity on on timeline for this, which is the thing that I like most about it because it has no consequence, apparently, in the current MCU or uh, Marvel continuity. No, I I think it does exist in its own kind of like an alternate reality. And I think Um, that's the only way he's getting away with doing all of the stuff. Oh, for sure, because it's like (laughs) shitting on how many characters. Yeah. Poor Cable, like, this yeah. week, I mean, in this last couple of weeks, he's been killed twice. <laughs> he just can't catch a break. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, it's 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 totally bonkers. He goes and he decides he's going to assassinate Thanos uh, as a baby, but then he can't. He and Thanos he, is already he, he nuts. Punisher can't yeah. kill a baby. Yeah. Big surprise. But, you know, Thanos kind of still already a titan, like, dictator. Like, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of inherently in him. And, you know, he goes to Galactus for help thinking because they, you know, they were cosmic buddies uh, for, for decades or whatever in, in the past. Centuries. So he goes to a past century. So he goes to the, uh, goes to uh, meet Galactus in the past who, you know, he gets to cyclically read his mind to see that they were companions and whatnot. And uh, thinks that Thanos, will, I mean, that Galactus will help him, but clearly that's not Galactus. No. <laughs> He's like, turn over the kid. I will kill it. Yeah. <laughs> Like, Galen, no, I didn't. I didn't come to you for yeah. this. <laughs> I came to you for help, man. <laughs> and then you know everything goes crazy, and the Watcher shows up, and he's like, "This will not go well." And mm-hmm. just, I don't want to ruin any more of the book for you. It's honestly a fun read if you're looking for something, especially after Heroes in Crisis, that you just want to laugh and and have some fun. Yes, check out this book. Yes, one hundred percent recommended. That is. 100% recommended by Scott, and Scott approved. <laughs> it's uh, 30 Helens Agree, right? 30 Helens Agree. And Cosmic Ghost Rider is one hell of a ride. Okay. I think we're good on that one. That was a it's good a one. It's a short one, but I think it's good. Yeah. 
So let's take uh, now to take it away from zany fun craziness. Let's go to darked up and fucked. <laughs> yeah. Dark. Yeah. Did I say darked up? Darked uh, up oh, and geez. fucked. Yeah. I need sleep. <laughs> let's get into dark uh, and fucked up. <laughs> hyper timing this week. It's lock and key volume one. Yes. So I have read, uh, uh, I have read all um, volume one through six, I believe, of this okay. storyline. So. Um, I don't believe you have read any of this up until this point. I have read volume one. Um, I went out and bought it knowing we were going to, we were going to tackle this one and uh, I didn't know what to expect from it. I, I, I guess Joe Hill is Stephen King's son. Yeah. So we'll give a a quick synopsis on it. Joe Hill is Stephen King's son. So he is surprise, surprise, also a horror author. Mm -hmm. Um, He's an actual prose author. I've got a couple of his books that I'm slowly working through. He's got a couple TV shows, I believe, that are in the work okay. in the works, uh, based on those books. Um, but this is the story of a family that moves into their old family estate after some tragedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this house, there are keys. And the keys unlock various abilities, powers, um, magical keys, I guess. Is just yeah, so them. in but Volume 1, there's only, I think, two keys keys a third key might i think been hinted at if i read correctly but the it was like the anywhere key uh Mm -hmm. which is like a a key to like pretty much anything yep and then there was i forget the name of the ghost key or something like that yep but uh and then there was a third key that was found but it's uh it's about the a family who um i think we can spoil it a little bit yeah so this this is gonna be a spoiler talk here's your warning spoilers so there's a, a family. It, it starts off with a family who have lost their father after he was brutally murdered by two high school kids, basically. Yeah, he was a guidance counselor. Uh, at the high school. Um, he has three kids, um, Tyler, Ty. Bode, and Kinsey. Yes. Um, who then are now dealing with all of the trauma that they've gone through with their father being brutally murdered in front of them. I believe it's their uncle that they move in with, with the mother. They move across country to the family estate. The, yeah, they move from California all the way to Massachusetts. What did they call it? Keywood or key manor? Key house. Key house. Yeah. So it's uh, up in Lovecraft. They've gone all the way back up. So it's got, obviously by that name, you, you understand that there's going to be some (laughs) horror tones to it. Um, this is not a happy-go-lucky, feel-good kind of story. Definitely not. <laughs> um, so some of the things... I'll, I'll, I'm actually curious to hear what your opinions are because you just read this for yeah. the first time and haven't seen how it ends. Yeah. So it's I'm curious a, to see what you think. So I will f- say, first off, I didn't know what to expect of this book. I hadn't actually heard of it prior to you mentioning it to me or telling me about it a couple months back. And... Uh, I didn't realize it was written by Joe Hill, which I thought, well, that's intriguing. But sometimes when you bring in authors from other forms of writing, that doesn't always translate well for a comic book. However, uh, I was quite impressed with this story. And it, 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 took a, it took me a little bit to get into it. Like, I was reading it, and it wasn't bad, but, like, just... I can't, I could, I can't really relate to uh, the line of thinking of the main characters, but like you very quickly get pulled into it once you kind of it kind of establishes who they are and their kind of inner monologues. Uh, it took a structure of I think each issue is kind of from the perspective of one of the different children in the story, at least the first couple issues. Okay. And um, I will say this book genuinely creeped me out a little bit. 
which is a 100% first for me in any comic book. Um, and I, I don't scare easily, like, at all. I'm, uh, I'm a horror movie, uh, like, buff. I, I, it, uh, there's just something inherently creepy about this character. Um, oh, my gosh. Uh, I forget the name of the characters. The, the Echo? The Echo. Uh, well, anyways, this uh, Bode discovers this key uh, that opens this one door that once you pass through it, you turn into a ghost. And they think that naturally he's just made up... Uh, He's using his imagination to cope with losing his father, but he's in fact actually mm-hmm. turning into a ghost and can see things that are going on. And he discovers this little well house on the property where a voice is speaking back to him and claims to be an echo or his echo. Mm-hmm. Turns out it's not. It's kind of like this creepy um, water demon witch woman like living <laughs> in the yeah. bottom of the well. But uh, you find out that she's actually communed with their father and the uncle when they were children, but they can't remember it once they become adults. And so um, there's hinting at a storyline about the father and the uncle in the past, which led to her being trapped in this well. Mm -hmm. And so she manipulates Bode. (laughs) She manipulates Bode into uh, hunting down the key, um, the keys, uh, so she can actually escape. She was also kind of behind the death of the father um, through manipulating the um, the killer, Sam Lesser, I believe was the name mm-hmm. of the character. Uh, kind of comes from like a broken home, abusive. And, you know, the father actually tried to help this kid because he was actually intelligent. And, you know, you through various... He was damaged, but he was yeah. an intelligent kid. Yeah. And, you know, through her manipulations, it kind of turns him towards um, what he does. Tyler is dealing with with the guilt of you know of uh, he in anger said that he wished that he, he that someone would kill his dad, mm-hmm. and so Sam Lesser being under that that kind of influence and in, in his own um, how do you say fucked up way of thinking mm-hmm. uh, he yep. he acts upon it and uh, so. Yeah, like I don't want to say much more than that because it's it's totally a worthy read and it's uh, there's just some panels like the art is cartoony but uh, it's got a, a sharpness uh, to it that I find like that adds to the creep factor mm-hmm. like especially the way they draw the um, the 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 echo coming out of the well uh, behind the kid in this one page just really stands out and uh, yeah like I'm reading it at night late at night in the dark and. Uh, Honestly, it gives you a little creep factor. So. Yeah, so the artist, it's, so it's, it's written by Joe Hill, and it's uh, art by Gabriel Rodriguez. Yes. And my one criticism on the art is that the faces all look similar. Very much so. So It's very much like a uh, Gary Frank syndrome. Yeah, so if the, the hairstyles are very similar, it can sometimes be very easy to confuse certain characters. Mm-hmm. Now, he's done a good job in making sure that they don't all look the same in the rest of their appearance but it is the one catch and the one criticism that i have for it but the way he draws everybody looks sullen and a little unhappy mm-hmm. and morose so it really leads to the whole tone um of the whole book and the, the pacing is one of those things that i found really well and helps build that creep factor you know what's going to happen before yeah it like happens. It's, there's nothing unpredictable about the book at all it's not a jump scare kind, kind of thing where all of a sudden you're no like, oh. and it, it's, it's just got this like it, it, it's this like how do i describe it it's just 
it's got this like build up and it's just this very slow build and things just feel like it's getting more and more twisted a little creepier and like you honestly because it's it's an unknown concept like anything could go in there like you you kind of by the end like you got the mother who's turned into like an alcoholic um but you're still rooting for this family after this horrible tragedy and it's almost like you want to like tell the panel like look turn around you know but like yeah it's got that horror movie feel to it and uh i don't know what's going on because i know they are they've been trying to make a a tv series out of this a couple times and it's kind of falling apart yeah for some reason i don't know why this doesn't seem to translate this would perfectly translate to a uh, television show especially in today's market it really really would so hopefully it, it comes out um yeah it's got the it's got a very and this is going to sound really stupid but it's got a very hitchcock vibe to it where you can yes like the music that his movies have in it it's got that kind of feel where you can it's funny you say that because reading it i could almost hear that kind of music in my mind as i'm created for the the feelings that I'm, i'm feeling with reading it right um you can definitely see the craft in in his writing, uh, and it's certainly got a plan. It um, it's definitely a book you have to be in the right mood for, because uh, you know it's not one that I would have like been like, oh hey, I'm going to pick this up and read. But uh, I, it does have me hooked in a way that I want to continue with the rest of rest of the series. Yeah, I think if anybody is looking, and it's hard to find good comic book horror stories yeah. that are on the go. Um, but if you're looking for one and as we're approaching Halloween, this is probably a perfect book to be reading up to that point. Uh, like I say, there's about six volumes in there. The story gets dark and the the mood continues. I like to hear that. It still has the whole... Um, it, it's got that whole it vibe to it as well, where mm-hmm. it's the, the kids versus something evil and whether they overcome it truly or not it's what it's working towards so my only fear with it is that it doesn't have a, a full plan it has 100% a full plan okay it it actually is one of those books that wraps up really really nicely through all of its uh once you get to that final volume it really really wraps the story nicely you get an understanding of where the keys came from what is really powering that um the main evil in the story um like i say he he's taken a lot of things from his dad's writing and his dad you could very much pick that up on that yeah and until when you when you're reading it if you don't know that he's stephen king's son you'll think oh this has got a stephen king vibe to it (laughs) It kind of (laughs) does and then once you find out you're like oh okay no shit sherlock but it's honestly if if this is what he's doing this early in his career i think he's going to surpass his father now i haven't read his novels Okay. Um, but yes, 100% his comics, his comic is, this is a fantastic horror comic book. It's one of the things that I wrote down. If you love a good horror comic, this is definitely the comic for you. Um, again, the, the, the main villain is just very, very creepy. You, you can see what's going to be coming and it fills you with that little bit of dread of, oh shit, don't do this to a kid. (laughs) Don't do this to a kid. The kid's eight years old. Don't do this to the kid. Um, but it happens. <laughs> so, yeah. But it's it's really well paced. The, the art outside the faces is phenomenal. It's got great detail, uh, really imaginative use and, and design of all the keys and the different locks. And again, as you get further into the story, you see like, oh my God, I never thought of like the way that they use some of the keys 
is just really, really phenomenal. Well, I, I look forward like this volume one very much is kind of the establishing story. So it's like it has me wanting to like see the rest of the family kind of discover and learn about the keys and, and kind of, you know, whatever they're going to have to do to like deal with this threat. Cause mm-hmm. there's a huge threat to their, their family and they don't, they don't really know what they think of Sam Lesser as being this, the real threat, but he's truly not. He obviously, he, I mean, he was the, th- yeah. <laughs> I don't mean it like that, but like there's a bigger threat looming that they don't necessarily see by the end of volume one. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, no, I'm I definitely like this this recommendation. That's awesome. So yeah, I highly recommend it. Um, I haven't seen it at collected editions. You can obviously find the the trade paperbacks at any yeah, yeah. your local, probably your local comic shop or even your local book. Seen store. I've seen it on Amazon. Um, um, after I pick it up on Amazon. I haven't seen, uh, and we just came back from a local convention. Yeah, we didn't talk about that. Um, we'll throw that in at the end <laughs> at, after the pick of the week. Um, or maybe just before the pick of the week is just a part of a conversation, but I haven't seen issues. I haven't seen any of the issues out and about. Mm-hmm. Um, so they might be a little bit harder to pick up if you're actually looking, if you're a bit of a completionist and want the actual issues. Yeah. You Those probably be a need to find to a real like warehouse type location that carries everything. Cause mm-hmm. it's, uh, or talk to your local shop. They might be able to order in the issues or at least be able to, to help you track some down. But, there's always digital, right? Yeah. So, Really strong recommendation on that one. Perfect for Halloween. We're probably going to try and cover. I'd like us to try and cover a little, a few more horror things. Yeah. Oh, ab- absolutely. Um, I, I think that I'd even like to revisit this one too at some point in the future. Sounds good. Okay. So now let's move on to uh, running the cosmic treadmill. Sweet. Batman Hush. Yeah. So. Um, Got to put it out there that Batman Hush is now, I guess, outside of continuity, uh, at least for the time being. We don't know how Rebirth is going to fully kind of wrap up with in terms of past continuity. But uh, this is definitely a time capsule in terms of comics. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, th- yeah which like, is one of the things so, that I actually liked about the story is yeah. that it doesn't play into current continuity. And you end up getting... Um, really good good aspects of batman's interplay with his various supporting cast yeah well just to give you a quick for those who don't aren't familiar batman hush is uh it's from batman 608 uh to 619 and it uh it was written by jeff Loeb and drawn by jim lee which at the time was a big deal uh, because jim lee hadn't been on a monthly book in years at this point um it was definitely uh, pretty to look at, at least at the time. Uh, looking back at it, because I did actually reread everything uh, again for the first time since it came out, and he's like, like Scott, I think you were saying. Uh, yeah, there. this morning you and I were talking about uh, about this. He is a fantastic splash page artist. Yes, and poster artist. Yeah, I'm. I know he did fantastic runs on X-Men and the X-Books and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Uh, and even into his own uh, titles when he broke away for a little while. But I don't... And I know he did Justice League. I'm not as big a fan of Jim Lee as I thought I was. Yeah. Uh, you know, I... I <laughs> it was, it was I a ha- little I jarring. Have fe- I have feelings about Jim Lee, <laughs> like just even like from having met him at one point. But, uh, yeah, like... Uh, <sighs> great characters very dynamic 
when he does the backgrounds, they're very, very detailed. Mm-hmm. Um, poses are a little outdated by today's standards. Now, um, it, it kind of does have that image feel to the to the look of the artwork. Um, he does he does draw a great Batman. I, I do like like how how he uh, redesigned kind of the the costume for for the um, for this run. Yeah, there. I mean, his character designs outside of the new costumes he did for the new 52, his actual using classic characters in that, he does nail them. They yeah. all look fantastic. Um, and he gets around his his static art by having the silhouette of activity happening That's up true. until that point. So, uh, like, you can see what he did to get to help, you know, convey the sequential mm-hmm. of what was happening. But I think a lot gets lost in the sequential art of it when it's here's a static panel and here's all the dynamic movements that you missed up to this point. Now, what do you think of the 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 writing style? Now, the writing I could is... be wrong, and you know I'm wrong many times, but this is a very like inner monologue driven story where most of it is told uh, from Batman's perspective mm-hmm. in his internal thought process. It's got a very noir like uh, vibe to it. Comics have changed, right? Like, I'm not thinking. Like, no. I don't think that the story is told this dramatically, like, through your own inner thoughts, uh, uh, like, like it was then. Like, it, uh, no, it definitely has. It's definitely got that old, like I say, that old school vibe to it. The old noirish film kind of. It's post. It's post thought bubbles. Yes. but it's. <laughs> but they've just it's been like replaced. thought boxes. Yeah, that's all it's been replaced with. <laughs> Um, there are some important uh, moments in this book um, in terms of the character. One, uh, it first of all, I'll just say that it it was such a reminder of the things I miss about Batman. You know, like Oracle uh, being yes. part of the team, Huntress being a character that I know and understand what's going on with. Mm-hmm. Um, Tim Drake as Robin. If yes. I was like, holy crap. There's Robin. <laughs> yes, I know. That was one of those things that I wrote down. It was just seeing Tim Drake as Robin again. Not Red Robin, but Robin. And Actually a, a real Robin. Like, I just, it, it, you, for me, it, Damian Wayne just never fit the role. It's one of those things that I loved about the, the Batman fugitive and the, the Bruce Wayne murderer storylines, or the Bruce yeah. Wayne fugitive murder storylines, was the the pre new 52 stuff new 52 ruined things yes i'm just gonna say it they fucking ruined things the idea of the, the reboot was a great idea um because continuity had gotten very convoluted at that point but they just went the wrong they went way. hard like, left when they should not i mean they just really did screw it up and it's not until you read some of these old surrounds don't get me wrong I actually didn't like Batman Hush. I, I figured. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a fan of the story and, itself. You know what? In rereading it, I will put forward this, that it's not it's not as endearing to me as I, as I remembered it. But this might Nostalgically, be it was the book that brought me kind of back into collecting books and reading Batman on the regular. And this might be the problem. I didn't but, read it when it was printed and when oh, it came out or even close to it. Okay. I've only ever read it after, after the fact so it did, it's never landed to me the quite way like the whole tommy elliott um 
as soon as he's introduced, you're like, okay, villain. Thank yeah, you. they can. It's like when you're watching uh, Law and Order, and all of a sudden, it's a major celebrity comes in. You're like, okay, now I know who killed that. Person. And it's absolutely obvious from the get go that, yeah. like, this previously unmentioned childhood best friend of Bruce Wayne shows yeah. up, and he happens to cause the like who Batman's in a situation him. needs has a head injury, yeah. and he happens to be the master surgeon. Yeah, and he's always bested him when they were kids playing whatever strategic games they were playing, yeah. like, which was like this weird tin soldier chess type game that they played so you knew yeah. like this was like they tell you almost right away it's yeah. that he's he's hush yeah within two issues you um know there's some is. stuff that makes no fucking sense in the story even at the time which is like harvey dent shows up randomly there's well, the story asks a lot ask of you, you there's a lot in this story this book asks you to just accept so it's just asking you to accept that two-face went to philadelphia and got healed up by tommy elliott the master surgeon who can also do plastic surgery by the yeah. way or he flawless to but, him yeah and, and, and I, fixed him yeah and and you know it also had like with the riddler he had to he i think at that point he was dying of cancer and you had to believe that the master surgeon also cured him of his of his lethal well, he, cancer he, he cured him using uh stuff from the lazarus pits so this was kind of explained as, and that's yeah. why Razal Ghul would be coming after Riddler if, if, if. And um, a lot of there was a lot of threads from this story or... that played out in other stories, um, namely you know Edward Nigma knowing Bruce's identity by the end, yes, um, or Which having the... or having known deduced who Batman is through the moment of clarity through the Lazarus Pit. Which makes no, no sense. sense. But what's which was actually the only thing that I actually thought was oh well good he knows it. But he can't tell somebody the, no. the answer because then the riddle is worthless. And he's also, that was a, probably, he's also a dead man. Like. And he's also a dead man. But that was also <laughs> the one thing where I was like, that is probably the best part of writing in this entire story. Yeah. Like, is that you, it's definitely, yeah, good for you. You figured it out. Well, what's, but you can't do anything with that. <laughs> what's crazy about this story um, is that Jeff Loeb has written some incredible Batman stories. He really has. Like The Long Halloween and... Mm -hmm. um, Dark Victory. Um, Dark Victory. And this is not it. No. <laughs> it's very much a book that was showcase to showcase Jim Lee's art. Yeah. Um when they were when he's kind of returned to DC. Um some firsts that are important in, in the story is that this is one of the first times that Catwoman and Batman uh kind of acknowledge their relationship. I wanted Which to talk about that is part. legitimately cause... probably the main reason I like this book. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask it's you It's where about. Bruce decides he trusts her enough after all these years to reveal his identity. Mm -hmm. uh, which is awesome. Um, and it, like, frankly, she's as close to a, a Lois Lane as you're going to get with Batman. And she is his op like it's his opposite, but it's the only one that could ever be with him. Which was another thing that I really liked about the uh, in the stories when she's actually in the cave at one point because... Um, uh, Bruce is getting kind of patched up, and she sees him without the his shirt on, the and scars, sees the scars, and everything. <laughs> and she's like, "Oh my!" Like she she had never actually pieced together just how broken and and shattered his body might be. Yeah, and then sees the the scar from their first encounter in costume, <laughs> where she almost like she remembers in like an endearing fashion. Yeah, which is, I just find <laughs> hilarious it's like giant claw marks across his chest or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um. But yeah, like it was an important step. It's 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 absolutely where Tom King is coming from. Uh, 
where he decided to pull these two together. Yeah. Because it almost, in a weird way, feels like it's a continuation of where this left off. I wanted to say that, yeah. And, uh, like, fuck. That's yes, like, the, the I, it's honestly. Everything, it really works through their relationship. It, that, it's that the first time you see Batman like truly, like, realizing he's in love with somebody. Mm-hmm. Like, and, uh, he's had girlfriends, obviously, in previous storylines, but, like, it's the first one that she's always the one that got under his skin, no yep. matter what. It's like, and Tom King totally in the current Batman is playing off that in spades. Uh, another uh, important part I thought was like, here's Batman and Nightwing done right. Yes. You get the, it's like, it's his eldest son. Like Batman's going to be a dick a little bit, about, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's not in the way Tom King has written. Like, it's like Dick Grayson is matured enough. And he's just, you know, in this story, it's just he's kind of there to see how Bruce is doing at post injuries and everything. And it gets called out in the dialogue. It's like, you and know, he like, speaks to me in a way that no one else is able to or allowed to. Yeah. But he's earned that right. He's, and he's earned that's it. where the current Batman kind of misses that mark. And I think it's because of all the history that's led up to it with the new 52 stuff that yeah. it doesn't. No one has earned anything in really. No. It, I'm really pissed off with the new 52 right now after <laughs> reading this kind of thing because no one has earned any of where they're at. No, it, it's see, rebirth is trying to reset the clock back without resetting it back. Like, they don't mm-hmm. want to fully say, Yeah, we're going back because they're, I mean, fair enough. There might be fans of the new 52 who came into comics at that point. It brought me back in after a while. I'll be perfectly honest. Yeah, I don't know how it fucking brought me back in. But it did. It was an exciting relaunch, right? So you thought, okay, here we go. It's where you can get in on the ground floor. But it, it was just so convoluted. And it's it basically was like the image, making DC into like image. Mm-hmm. At least that's how it felt to me uh, with, with uh, New 52. But yeah, going back to, to Batman Hush. Um, like I said, there, it, nostalgically, I, I love this story. Reading it again. It's good to me, but definitely not uh, in the upper echelon of Batman stories. Current Batman eclipses this tenfold. Like the even in the issues where you're not as happy with it, it's still a much uh, a superior book to this. But three like, issues of the current run that trounce this, yeah, are the um, the current ones where it was uh, the Mister Freeze. Uh, going it was 12 angry men yes uh, cold nights cold nights that i believe it was three issues it was yeah trounces all of these issues put together <laughs> i would say most of tom king's run from what i've read is superior to this and but i also see the threads where it couldn't have been without this and yeah. this kind of revitalized i think batman in a way in a st- it kind of um it put top tier talent on on the book for the first time, and I think a long way. And I don't mean that to slight Brubaker and Rucker, but they weren't uh, as high profile as they came to be at the time that they were on those books. Mm-hmm. This was a very very high profile artist on the book. They clearly poured money into it in terms of the inking, the coloring, the production value. Like it went from, I believe, with the original issues, it went from this the regular pulp paper to glossy, glossy print yeah, uh, with this. I mean, you're um, right. It does look fantastic. And it kind of brought this like retro feel back to Batman. It, it stepped away from the I'm a dick Batman to Batman the Crusader a mm. little bit. And uh, 
but I think it also played on your 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 nostalgia for Jim Lee in the '90s and your nostalgia for Jeff Loeb with you know the Long Halloween. Yeah. Um, another thing was this was the first book to hint at the notion of the return of Jason Todd. And in reading it, I, I, I going back to it, I wanted to see because in the book it, it kind of reveals Jason Todd to be Hush in one issue. And then it's faked out saying, oh, it was Clayface. But later on, and I remember this post with Under the Hood and, and all the stuff that came out afterwards, kind of revealed that Jay, it was actually Jason Todd in the first uh, reveal. Yeah. So when he initially takes off the bandages and that it is revealed that that actually is Jason Todd. And then he off, you know, side stage left or whatever. Uh, I'm inaudibly rolling sw- that out this entire <laughs> Yeah, this is a cringeworthy time with it. But, you know, like it was revealed that it was, in fact, Jason Todd. They switched places with Clayface during that chase. And technically, that fits. It's not great, though. <laughs> I've no, never been a fan useless. of the... Re- the Never been a fan of the Return of Jason Todd. Uh, just like I wasn't a fan of the Return of Barry Allen or or Hal Jordan. Like it's a, like it was one of those deaths that I thought was permadeath. Like it because it meant something. Mm-hmm. You know, the reveal is a cool shock value moment, and it being like you know, but it was it was Clayface. You know, kind of made sense. And but it works better as the psychological torture than it does. Yeah. The actual, oh, he's back from the dead. Jason Todd, in hindsight, might have been a good reveal for 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 Hush because you were just they threw it in there just to kind of like you knew it was Tommy Elliot mm-hmm. <laughs> right away you knew it was him, so they did this to kind of like fake you out. They have people wearing the same trench coat throughout the story, so you're like, who yeah. is it, right? But you know, and then when Hush actually shows up and he's wearing the jade circle on his neck, you're like thinking, well, really. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I can't. but then again, and then uh, he, uh, oh yeah, the other uh, remi- uh, retro thing in there was Harold, uh, yeah, showing up the little like troll man, uh, Quasimodo guy him. living in the cave who did all of Batman's tech. Yeah, he betrayed Bruce to because the to master be surgeon allowed him normal. to be normal. Yeah, and he could talk, and then he gets shot in the head. Yeah, um, by Hush. By Hush. It, uh, yeah, there's so many things that I just didn't like about this. <laughs> it's uh, it's it has a time and a place i will say this from in, in a way this is like batman 66 the movie where it's like it's just like it's a mashup of all of the greatest hits villains um but it doesn't work <laughs> in that same way it's a again, bit of a stretch it's a bit of a, it's a stretch and like again if you like batman it's not something you'll regret reading it's it can be pretty at times <laughs> you should see Scott's face at that. <laughs> but it, it really does have, I think, have its place in, in Batman history for some of the elements that it introduced. And with like the Catwoman thing, it wasn't it wasn't like a a thing this the way it is now. Right. She was always his villain. There was an attraction, but they, it never went anywhere. She dated Bruce Wayne periodically as Selena Kyle, and it kind of never went anywhere. It's probably the only redeeming part of the whole story is how they play up the the Batman Catwoman dynamic. Um, outside of that, I don't think there's really much other reason to read it in Batman continuity because nothing else in it really relates to anything. 
Not anymore. No. No. At the time, it was very much ingrained in the continuity and set the path uh, that it was on. But yeah, at this point, it's it's almost like reading an Elseworlds um, in terms of storyline. So if you approach it in that regard, you might actually enjoy it. Yeah. Because um, you're right. I mean, it's got it's it has no skin in the game anymore, so it doesn't no. really matter. <laughs> so you could probably find things that you would enjoy it. Um, just don't be looking for the best Killer Croc design you've ever seen. Yeah, it was. I don't really know where his eyes were on his face. Well, it was a mutation, as they explained. Um, yeah. It was yeah. And it was undone literally in the next arc, in the Brian Azzarello arc. He was already healed, and like in that, because Eduardo Rizzo's drawing certainly right. doesn't draw that. And Croc was kind of like a gangster type thing again. Mm-hmm. In it, but and if you want to see a better Joker design, you've got uh, Janin's art. You've got. I'm totally not a fan of the Joker design. Jimenez is our, or Jimenez's art currently it, in the Justice League book. It was pretty. So many it was pretty bad. It was fun to see the classic Harley show up, though. It I was. Say. It was really good to see that. I'm. I'm a much bigger fan of that design <laughs> than whatever the hell they're the doing. The Margot right Robbie now. design that they got yeah, going now. Stupid shit. So okay. yeah, that that's Batman Hush. That was running the cosmic treadmill with Batman Hush. They... <laughs> Scott jumped off the treadmill a while ago. I fell off of it and quite happily <laughs> lay on the ground catching my breath because that was painful. So do you want to talk about Toronto Comic Book Show briefly before we go? Yeah, we can do a, okay. a quick uh, chat. So we just came back from the Toronto Comic Book Convention, which isn't the same thing as Fan Expo. Fan Expo being more like the San Diego Comic Con with a lot more displays, a lot more cosplay and everything. I would, yeah, I'd describe Fan Expo as like the pop culture yes. convention. This is a return to form. If you were going looking, hunting for books, this, this is, is where you went. Yeah, it's you know, it's like it's in a hotel, um, I guess rec room type thing, you banquet know, hall, banquet yeah. hall, and you just kind of have like rows and rows of of comic dealers and mm-hmm. dollar bins and two dollar bins, and then outrageous inflated priced wall yeah, criminally comics. Inflated. <laughs> You know, going to one guy, he'll sell you something for ten bucks. Going to another guy who wants forty dollars for it, yeah, maybe dropping to thirty bucks. Like it's, but it's a really. It's, you were tempted by the two hundred dollar Venom, the Lethal Protector number one. That blew my mind. I have a copy of that comic, <laughs> and I don't know why it's worth two hundred dollars or why they're trying to make it worth two hundred dollars. Hey, the first appearance of Jason Todd or the return uh, under the hood, uh, Batman six forty six. I think it was was going for two hundred and fifty. Which is nuts. No, that's crazy. It, it wasn't. It wasn't even graded. That was even the funnier part. Well, some guys tried to put gradings on. Yeah, there I was, saw that on their label, guy, on their stickers. <laughs> there was a guy doing grading in the back if you wanted to take something in. So oh, was, I meant there were guys that had like yes. great, like put their own score on it. Like yeah. it's supposed to mean something. Here's a five <laughs> by my own standard. This is pretty good. I mean, some of them, a lot of the guys were willing. They would say, "Okay, that's the sticker price. Make me an offer." Like a lot yeah, of them no. showed up with books, they didn't want to go home with that inventory. Yeah, and and you know this is very much a show to offload offload your stuff, but it's yep. great. Like in theory, it's great to like find the the books that you can to fill some holes in your collection. And I I did find some stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, like it advertised that it's about it's modern comics. When they say modern, they're talking about like the definition of like post nineteen eighty seven yeah modern like i went in hoping to fill in uh i've been reading mr miracle digitally and i decided that i want to have the actual physical copy so i was asking around do you have any mr miracle outside of like 70s or 80s run on Mm -hmm. mr miracle they didn't have anything quote-unquote modern modern like you say was anything 
outside of bronze silver i guess we should have looked for current (laughs) yeah that was what we (laughs) looked for is current but even even the hot bins with mainstream or current Mm -hmm. were still ones that were mostly like well i I was happy to find my saga books yes they're pretty cheap i haven't jumped into that path yet of trying to pick those up i might just (laughs) stick with the giant omnibuses just because it's probably the smarter way um yeah it'll it'll be less costly i think in the long oh, run for and sure. take up a little bit less you room. know i'm ridiculous <laughs> but you're willing to do it but it was it was good to go hunting it yeah and really I, I i very much enjoyed that it cost five bucks to go in it was spent a couple hours looking for deals and yeah. you, you can find them there's deals to be found um i was glad i didn't take my kids i yeah. initially <laughs> thought about it um but there they would have been bored senseless and yeah it would have and been it was very difficult you wouldn't have been able to find anything but... no it would have been because it, it literally was just vendors and boxes and just pouring yeah. through yeah like it's old, very very old, school. old vinyls and that kind of thing it would be very much <laughs> that same thing for the kids yeah, i'd so. say i i definitely go again like next time next year maybe mm-hmm. just uh again for just the deal hunting but uh yeah, if you want new books, you gotta get them now. Apparently, yeah. yeah. Get to your shops and find them, or find uh, a way to get to some of the other local towns and yeah. see what their shops have for you. That's your best bet. All right, so I think it's time to move on to pick of the week. week. <laughs> this was interesting. This one. Um, this was a different problem from what we had in yeah, previous like, weeks. Like I, there was nothing that blew me away, but everything was good. Yes. And so I had I had a, a tough time picking my pick. I, I narrowed it down to about five books. I've kind of ranked them. <laughs> and uh, yeah, um, do you want me to go first? Yeah, you go first. All right. Time. So um, I'll I'll just I'll name off the five that I that were in my top five this week, and I'll have one honorable mention. Okay. So. There was Action Comics 1003. There was Batgirl number 27. Ben Riley Scarlet Spider 24, which surprised me. There was Extermination number 3 of 5. And then there was Flash 55. And uh, I think Scott thinks he knows what, I'm gonna, what I picked. I'm thinking you're going with Ben Riley. You would be wrong. But it was close. He was number 5. Oh. Yeah, it was a good book. It was a good read. Um but my number one uh, this week's Flash 55. And uh, I liked that it was this Halloween-centric story. I'm kind of like... It alludes to some stuff that may play into Heroes in Crisis. Um, but when I say it's number one, it's like I have five number ones. It's just the one you want to give the title to right now. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. There's, um, only, there's only enough room for one name on the placard. So this and is I, the say, one I, say, I say it... <laughs> And it's it's kind of like I'm wavering even as I'm saying it, because I I liked Action Comics one hundred three uh, one thousand and three uh, just about as much. Batgirl was was uh, you know is a steady number two there. Like I had a feeling you might go for that one only because of the return of a classic kind of costume. I, I like the design. the return of the design except for the mask. <laughs> yeah, the prototype as they call it in the yeah. issue. But uh, Batgirl's been a solid book like it's a you know the hero has her internal internal struggle and physical struggles it's got the allusions to oracle's past like it just it was a solid read but yeah i went with flash 55 because one i've been i've been dying for flash to be a top book uh 
I liked the the spooky element to it, where it's like kind of like. Well, I, I don't even know what part of this force is this fucking played into, but I kind of liked. I like the. I've been enjoying the the characterization of Iris West. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I almost said Alan because of the past there, but <laughs> I really like. I she's actually a kind of a fun character, um, and I kind of like to see more of that character in the book. I think her character's gotten better now that they're playing into the, the past, and she yeah, remembers flashpoint stuff, well, and they actually say like the flashpoint. Yeah, yeah so. I, I I enjoy like I'm enjoying that element of this book, so yeah. like that plays into my deciding my decision here. Um. One that I didn't put in the top five is Doomsday Clock, and I'm pretty sure I know where this falls <laughs> for others. But mm-hmm. um, I like where it's going. I, 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 yeah, I, I, I couldn't put it. I don't know if I was tired at the time of reading. I just couldn't put it up there. I thought Batman was written kind of doofy. Like, uh, like I just feel like he wouldn't just go guns blazing into a situation. He would have assessed this a lot better than he did just because he didn't know their capabilities, which um, I did like seeing the, the, the yellow oval suit. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I liked, I liked the characterization of the Joker in it. Uh, he's kind of the zany Joker. Um, oh, he's batshit crazy. I like the comedian, even for the comedian. He's like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> um, it was a good read and it was a good turn in the doomsday clock series, but it just, it's still just kind of like a, a cog, uh, in the story for mm-hmm. me. So it, it doesn't on its own. It didn't feel like a, a great issue. Um, maybe the best issue of the series though, by far. And, uh, I like the turn that it's taking. Um, extermination number three, again, back to basics, X-Men. I enjoyed it. But because it it didn't really advance the story much for me, I, I felt that it it work it will work in the whole, but as an individual issue, didn't uh, it? It couldn't quite be number one. Uh, ben Riley, Scarlet Spider. Just I'll say quickly, it was just fun chase uh, episode where he's like Kane's trying to kill him. Mephisto uh, screwed him basically because he broke the deal mm-hmm. <laughs> and made everyone think that he just like let the girl little girl die, and and so now he's like. He's he's stabbed. He's like bleeding out. He's fighting, trying to like, you know, trying to escape. Uh, Kane, who's like had enough with him for what he's done, kind of thing. And then, you know, he ends with looking like he's sacrificed because he essentially sacrificed himself to stop uh, another character from being shot. So and then he keels over. And then next issue looks to be the final issue. <laughs> so. <laughs> don't know what's gonna happen i don't think he's gonna die i think that he's gonna it's he's gonna be rewarded as finally having turned his life around kind of thing but uh i don't know it was a fun chase book action comics one at 1003 i really enjoyed it i i like that the cover (laughs) i say i like i thought it was ridiculous because it's such a 90s cover where it's like can batman save the man of steel or whatever and then it's like all that's in the book is like hey batman thanks for helping bye yeah yeah thanks for the save a quick little cameo (laughs) and that very much reminded me of the um this action comics issue back during the electric superman storyline where it's like the secrets of the bat cave and it shows superman looking all like freaked out and Mm -hmm. batman's in shadow in the back and it was literally just a cameo yeah um so yeah um again decent week but uh flash that i just thought was kind of cool 
um, the allusions to Heroes in Crisis, which he doesn't know about yet. Um, so I feel that there might be some connective tissue there. Yeah. Okay. I'm a little bit surprised at that. I, I mean, it was a, it was an okay book. It was definitely better than the last two. Maybe that's why. With the trickster. <laughs> um, but I'm okay. I'm a little bit shocked at that. So I came down to three titles. Okay. Um, big surprise. Like I said, I wasn't going to read Heroes in Crisis mm-hmm. and I ended up reading it. And despite being pissed off at what they've done to um, Wally, completely killing him off screen um, with no fanfare whatsoever is ridiculous. But I'm willing to go with it to find out what actually is happening in this story. So mm-hmm. I know a lot of other people are pissed off because comic nerds like to get pissed off at things mm-hmm. uh, when things don't go their way. So <laughs> I'm not going down that road. It's more yeah. of the, well, show the character a little bit more respect. At least show me him fighting something. And, and I think it'll play out that frankly, way. Frankly, it probably will. Like, this is kind of the introductory. Um, and knowing King, like, there's yeah. going to be payoff for this. Yes. Uh, and it's well written. Like, it's, I, I, I thought so anyways. Um. And I feel they threw Wally and Arsenal. Uh, sorry, Arsenal also kicked the bucket. Apparently, yes. confirmed. Confirmed. As they as he kept saying, I did love seeing that. That was actually really good. And then Batman being like, "I'm not there yet. Don't touch anything." <laughs> Superman's, like, Superman's like, "I won't." And then, sure enough, he is. <laughs> and but... then he goes down and he starts touching shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, I regret not putting that in my top five. Um, but I because I did like the book. Um. I'm utterly pissed off about Wally, but I know it's not going to stick, so I can't truly be like truly outraged because yeah. it's not. There's there's eight more issues to go. Yeah. Like, it's nothing to get mad at yet. It's no. just the initial shock of like, okay, they shuffled Wally off to that sanctuary, and then oh, he's dead. We don't even know what sanctuary is yet. Yeah, all it is is you just know? a farmhouse where there's dead people right now. And if you had to guess who the killer, who would you pick? I think it's too early to even pick at anything, to be honest. There's some speculation that everything you need to know to reveal the killer is in issue one. I would need to read it again, but <laughs> it's definitely not Booster or, or Harley. Maybe it's Booster. Uh, I don't, PTSD? I don't think it's either one of those. Um, I couldn't help but think of American Sniper. Uh, I think it's going to be Blue Jay. You think so? <laughs> and then he he shrank down and got the I mean, crows. Tom King has brought in smaller villains on other things it's got to be something with ptsd yeah um so i don't think it's it's not going to be the big ones that they're they're hinting at it's who which one of these was it but uh, it was a good read you'll get pissed off if you read it if some of your favorites are in there but stick with it i think it will have some sorry i didn't mean to hijack your number one Uh, that's okay um the next one that was on my list was extermination Mm -hmm. uh number three like I say, I'm a big fan of what they're doing and bringing it back, and it's it's crazy. I completely agree with you. It doesn't move the story ahead enough for it to end up as a pick, but I like the introduction of these two creepy kids who are able to convert anybody into a hound based on uh, basically <laughs> implanting psychological trauma that does years' worth of torture in seconds. Um, so... Old Man Logan turned into a hound. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of Ahab's hounds. Nightcrawler. Um, Nightcrawler turned into one. Teleports Scott out into the ocean, the depths of the ocean, and tries to kill him. Like I thought this was 
a fun book and i thought it was just crazy good so like what i'm curious is like are they are this going to be lasting ramifications for these characters because like rachel was it rachel summers or whatever yeah. she like is still a hound technically she's still yes she still gets the manifestations uh the physical ones uh, of the hounds with all of the the marks and mm-hmm. kind of that infection um i don't know if it'll have lasting i mean old man logan hopefully that's character just gets shuffled off um (laughs) the way to hell and gone and then nightcrawler as much as i like him he's come back from the dead like four times now yeah it's about time he went back away um like i say i really like the character and everything Mm -hmm. but nobody's doing him any justice so why keep him around just to fuck with him yeah that just seems like a waste to me um but ends with them going to be confronting young cable um the x-force team so i'm curious to see what happens in this based on what they're supposed to be doing in the solitary book? Yeah, the X-Force book. So and it's like it looks... A little confused as to what's happening. Well, like you that. ultimately know this cable is going to be the new cable. Like it's, yeah. It's just going to... It's... I'm yeah. hoping I'm hoping old cable body slides in and kills the younger one because he's from an alternate <laughs> dimension or something and just set things right just to really go crazy. You didn't get the real cable. That would I be so... fantastic. He body that. slides in the past knowing that his future self is going to get killed and so he goes back and takes out the younger cable. Yeah. But yeah, it doesn't work. So my actual pick of the week is Doomsday Clock number seven. I knew it. Um, yeah, I've got it out <laughs> on the top of my stack right now. It, like I say, it was between those other ones, but ultimately I'm a sucker for a Dr. Manhattan story. Hmm. Um, this was the strongest of the entire miniseries so far. I... L- I really liked how they explain his appearance and things. I'm not a big fan of what he's done to like the Alan Scott and everything, but I like I loved reading all of those components because he's Jeff Johns is actually doing a great job aping Alan Moore's Watchmen mm-hmm. in the structure, and the, he's really nailed the voices of a lot of these characters. Um, so I, I really really liked that component, and I was. My favorite, like I've said before, my favorite issue of The Watchmen was the um, Dr. Manhattan-centric issues. Um, this very much had that same feel to well, it's it. Even the movies, like, Gary, those are the best parts, too. Yeah, right? Gary Frank's art is just phenomenal in this, outside of uh, Saturn Girl. There was no outrage over the Mighty Blue Dong returning. Yes, yes. His, only Batman. Only Batman's. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was I'm I'm a big fan of what the what what's coming from this one and I have a feeling that this is going to at the end of it have a sweeping effect that just kind of fixes It's very much hinting continuity. at the idea that it's going to kind of be the reset button because and I'm wondering if this is going to not directly connect into Heroes in Crisis but kind of around the same time wrap up because I feel like well, spoilers, it, it alludes to Manhattan seeing a month into the future where he's confronted by an enraged Man of Steel, mm-hmm. Superman. And then after like basically a punch, he goes to, it goes to black. He doesn't have any, he can't see beyond that. Yeah. And so he, he's left with the dilemma wondering if, one, the unlikely scenario where one punch and he, it kills him, or two, does he react and destroy all of reality mm-hmm. because of what's happening? Yeah. So it's very much a very Watchmen esque kind it's, of dilemma. I think it was a, it was fantastically written. I think it plays out really well, and like you say, it leaves you with that bit of a cliffhanger. Yeah. Where I'm like, all right, game on. The downside is I think I now have to wait until about December to get the next <laughs> issue. Um, yeah. So this is going to be the painful part. 
is seeing what where the rest of it is. The good news is I can still um, fill in the story. I can read some of it again and, and, and well, really try and piece some things This together. is very much feeling like it's going to have the impact of a Flashpoint, which yes. was also Jeff Johns. Yeah. Um, well, and Jeff Johns has got a big thing for nostalgic DC. Mm-hmm. So I can't see him having wanting to walk away from it for too long he wrote jsa for god's sakes there's no way he's gonna kill off not using these <laughs> characters so this is good. Like, like i think it'll go i back. guarantee this is gonna lead to the re- return of the jsa it's gonna lead to the return of the legion superheroes like they've been painfully missing mm-hmm. uh well, i know back. you're i mean if she's yeah. there they're Listen. back in some way well, this is a version of them which we're now finding out is altered because essentially the golden age kind of didn't happen but she alludes to the fact that, like... She's, she's saying the future exists, so yes. it's going to work out. Yeah. And I do think that this is going to be the reset. Yeah, uh, I think so, too. This is going to be the culmination of Rebirth, New 52, everything. And it's going to basically put the DCU where they finally... You know, they either shit or get off the pot, right? So, like, it's not going to just pick and choose what they want in continuity. It's going to be, like definitively this is where everything stands and this is where we go forward yeah um the elements that they want are going to be there and the elements that they're cutting are going to hopefully be yeah. be gone <laughs> we're not all going to be happy with it but um that's exactly how it's going to play out like so. this is this is the book that you know end caps dc rebirth number one yep um so everything that's playing out in between like this has got to be the reset like i can't see it any Mm -hmm. any other way yep okay so i think that's our issue for this week i think so all right um as usual you can find this podcast on uh wherever you find your podcast whatever podcatcher if you uh listen to us on apple Podcasts, please uh like rate subscribe um it's the only way that we will get more listeners coming through can also visit our, our Twitter at, at Comics Terminal. You can find us, uh, drop us a question anyway, at uh, TerminalVelocityPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, or visit our website, TerminalVelocityPodcast.com. And uh, you can contact us that way too. Yep. Just let us know how we're doing, uh, any comments about the show. and Comments, questions, feedback, fire them off and we'll be uh, happy to talk to everybody. So that's it for this issue. I want to thank everybody for listening. Yeah, thank you. Take care. All right. We'll see you next week. Bye.